0: hey guys hello i'm mattia uh sorry quick disclaimer basically this recording you're gonna hear was made during a live which we held on our discord so if you want to follow another one later just join it um so you're gonna hear some reverb you're gonna hear some static it's not gonna be too bothering i'm trying to fix it but i'm just excusing for it also in the beginning one question got basically cut out because youtube decided to do so so that's gonna happen, <laughs> but after that, everything else is gonna make sense. Don't worry, I re-asked the question, I remade him say it just three seconds after. So thanks a lot and have a good listening.
1: Third ...party can verify it without involvement of a centralized authority that validates it for you. Because right now, a university sort of validates a degree. But if we were to uh, deploy it on Ethereum, any third party in the, throughout the world can can check. And see if it's valid or not okay. so you start thinking about the use case based on like just the core like what is the data structure
0: okay 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 so i guess that uh we're going, like we start from the fact that we have cre- like with block with the blockchain a new form of data structure has been created and the use case is just uh, i'm just trying to sum up for myself uh, but the use cases just lie in what is uh, uh what can be done And what works well with immutable kind of data and public kind of data. Okay.
1: Exactly. Um, Let me actually find a really cool resource that I found. Um, I mean, I studied CS185C in college, which basically went over introduction to blockchain and cryptocurrencies. Let me see if I can find it.
0: That's such a weird thing, knowing that uh, some colleges are actually caring about it.
1: Oh, we did it in 2019,
0: so... 2019, wow,
1: that's
0: like... Wow. Yep, found it. Share share it with me. Uh, I will share it with uh, everybody later.
1: Will do. Um,
0: Yeah, yeah, don't worry, don't worry. Take your time.
1: (sighs) Yep, found it. I'm going to, where do I put it? Do I put Uh, it in?
0: Wherever. I'm going to share it later. Don't worry.
1: I'm going to personal message it to you. Yeah,
0: yeah. Works well. Works very well.
1: Like everything I know about at least blockchain or cryptocurrencies, it all started from here. Okay. And it will literally take you a week to go over all of this and learn (laughs) it.
0: Okay. (laughs) I think I have something to do then. (laughs) Always happens with this. Okay, so um since we wanted to, to just sum up what happened the last time um let's get let's get like to gas fees because uh, we have the blockchain and we have the idea that like we're not gonna go over what the blockchain is because i think that there are very like good explanations of it very i found a very good one on uh, the Ethereum website with we like it, there is a very good interactive one as well
1: mm-hmm.
0: um but, uh, but the reason why gas fees are yeah. like why gas fees exist I think it's something which yeah. has to be discussed if people want to know it. And uh, also, another thing, uh, why are they so high in Ethereum, particularly?
1: Yeah, so um, let's let's start from the beginning as to what are gas fees, right? And gas fees are fees that you reward miners for validating transactions in a block. Um, So once they get added, there's there's a new block has been mined every time. And and then there's different areas of research like um, block finality and and, uh, how do you sort of get better efficiency around validating these transactions, which again, is falls under different consensus modes, as we discussed last time. But essentially, gas fees are fees that you provide uh, miners for validating the transaction. Right? And these fees are high, similar to the Uber example I gave you. Mm -hmm. Uh, If there's a lot of congestion in the network, there's something called surge pricing. And for miners to be able to uh, verify these transactions, there's a certain amount of fee that you provide them. Oftentimes, when the network is quite busy, you provide them a higher fee, which is why they're high, usually. Um, I think that is the nature of the way consensus mode of proof of work works, which is how you provide computational resource as a form of verification for validating these transactions, which is why we have a lot, we have a lot of these mining farms. But computational resources are limited and they're often like uh, sort of monopolized by centralized entities like mining farms that you know uh, mm-hmm. do this at a, at a much more like commercialized scale, which is why proof of stake is, is kind of different and exciting because it's a, it offers a new, We have thinking about consensus modes and and seeing if we can validate transactions more efficiently where you provide, sort of uh, stake it to a delegate and and then those those people are are sort of who validate these transactions and and sort of operate in in a different way than proof of work. And that's essentially how these fees are calculated.
0: Would you mind going over a little bit, like in short, what the concept (coughs) of staking is?
1: Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's different ways of looking um, at, at staking. Like if you look at staking as, as a definition in um, in DeFi, it, it sort of stands for um, staking tokens for rewards or uh, or otherwise known as yield forming. But in, in proof of stake, the way it's sort of, it, it's a consensus mechanism and a consensus mechanism is often uh, deduced from like achieving consensus from, a series of nodes in the network in a trustless way, and and the way you do this is like I said, you select delegates or validators in in proportion sort of uh, to the quantity of their like tokens that are staked with uh, associated like crypto. In Ethereum, it's kind of ETH, and, and those people have sort of different incentive mechanisms to validate these transactions, and it sort of affects like different energy consumptions, but but just more efficient way of achieving consensus. In a formulaic way.
0: Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. Thanks a yeah. lot for that. <laughs> Thanks a lot for that. and Yeah. Um, so, um, I just want to go over a bunch of general questions because I think that we can get like a bunch of uh, very good topics out of them. One of them was uh, mm-hmm. so we discussed about. Uh, so we said that like as the blockchain, we can look at it as a data structure, uh, and we can look mm-hmm. at it as a tree, and. Uh, one question which comes up is, uh, okay, uh, we talked about uh, using these transactions to actually like make a machine, make a computer, make logic, uh, and using these transactions to do, for example, in Ethereum, what it's called the uh, uh, Ethereum virtual, virtual machine to execute code, etc., etc., etc. cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Mm-hmm. The concept which is, uh, which is always sort of, which I've always wondered is uh, how do you publish what is called a smart contract, and how do people use it? Because, uh, like, for yeah, so smart. Okay, go for it. Go for
1: it. Yeah, so what the EVM does is it stores state on on the network. That is that it compiles and stores state on the network. Um, the goal of smart contracts is uh, is to write a bunch of code that has a, a logic that sort of. Uh, you want it to be operated as and stored, store the resultant state on the network. And it essentially, like, it converts into compiled bytecode, which is whenever you compile any smart contract, it, it results in something called the bytecode, which is what the EVM understands, and you feed that bytecode to EVM, which ultimately stores the state on the network, which can be tampered with later. So that is sort of the way it works. Solidity is just an overlaying language on top of the EVM. That uh, that is much more readable, that we can write applications on. But there's different ones too, like Wiper.
0: And so, like uh, in like very practical manner, I write my code in Solidity. I write my logic in Solidity. I write my code for my application and everything. What do I do to publish it? Like to get people to use it?
1: Yeah. So it's deployed as in, in Ethereum. There's two different ways, there's contract addresses and there's externally owned accounts, EOIs. And these contract addresses are addresses of app, apps that you've written in Solidity and deployed on Ethereum, and which means it's, it's now public. So all the public functions can be called by anybody and, and interacted with. So anybody in the network can use your contract, including yourself, given that these functions are public and variables are public. Um, okay. there can be private ones too, so you can somehow prevent it, but, um,
0: yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair. Thanks a lot. And, um, so this is a short question, but, uh, if you, if you get your application and you get your code on the chain, technically like your code is literally open source, right? Because everyone can see it. Everyone can see all of it. And uh, my question is, uh, uh First, if it is that way, so if uh, it actually is, uh, everything is shown, and second of all is, uh, okay, how do you store private data, and if you do, like, do you actually store private data?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can store private data, Um, yeah, you can technically store private data, Um, it's just the variable in the smart contract has listed it private and you can you can pass in something called message value, into the payload and and that's one where that's a store operation and then you can you can there's a really nice table in in this book mastering ethereum that has all the values of of these op uh, opcodes that you can call in and that's storage is the most expensive one i think but but yeah, that, that's sort of how it works. You can, you can yeah, you can store data. Uh, and then there's like tools like IPFS that stores the proof of it, which, which is in a planetary file system, which is a much more efficient way. It's, to understand IPFS, you'd, you'd have to do a, a whole another, another session of Git, mm-hmm. which is just, again, a beautiful concept. And Git is like a universe of its own, but yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's starting to get to, uh, to something real. Um, and so, is there any sort of, um, when you make an application, do you have, like, do you hold any sort of database on the blockchain or do you use, uh, uh, like, external databases to hold the data? Like, do you just use the blockchain itself to store data or do you do it on other sources, platforms?
1: You can do it. So, a lot of these uh, apps are hosted on, on centralized like sources like Amazon or, you know, a lot of them have like, if it's a large media files, like they only store the proofs on IPFS, like with services called Pinata, Mm -hmm. but often they use like databases, like, like AWS as to bucket or, you know, zero chain is is a good web three alternative, or they can also use like CS Skynet. Um, There's, there's multiple ones that you can use, but, um, Often these apps are like a conjunction between web two and web three tooling. So some of them do have databases if it's needed. If it, if it does need like really, high, if you look at an NFT marketplace, for example, it does need a database for fetching efficiently these images and video files mm-hmm. or GIFs, um, which, which often is done via Mux, a service called mux.com. Um, so there's, there's, depending on your use case, you know, you can figure out the stack and, and build from there.
0: Okay. Okay, that's fair. Perfect. Thank you for this. Um, We're going Western after question. I hope it doesn't bother you if I keep uh, asking you stuff. Not at all. Not at all. So let's go for something which is a bit less technical then let's get back to technicals. Uh, Two things actually. First, how much does it cost to deploy an application in uh, let's say Ethereum? Uh, And second, uh, how do you, like, is there an in, intrinsic way to make money using a apps or a, an application on the blockchain?
1: Yeah, um, there's, I mean, the way you run these applications is, is typically you deploy the smart contract. You can do it on a test network, which most people do. There's this faucet where you can get tested. And... You can then deploy it on, on services like Vercel or Netlify, mm-hmm. and and you can start testing a front end, which which sort of calls these smart contract functions, where um, you import the bytecode and APIs, and 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 you can just start calling these functions, and, and see how it all. And you can deploy it so people can start using them. So Vercel is, I think, the most commonly used one. Even we use Vercel.
0: What is like the the cost, the average cost of doing so?
1: Um, we're selling costs about like $20 a month um, if you get the premium tier. Um, and I think the, the highest cost is testing it on the main network on Ethereum, which which can cost like a couple thousand dollars if you're testing it on mainnet, which is, off, which is why you have things called test networks where you can test these things out. <laughs> but I think the mainnet deployment and mainnet testing is the most expensive one.
0: Okay, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. And so, like, at this point in time, again, we're not going for technicals right now, we're just discussing a bit. uh, Like, uh, at this point in time, uh, if someone is developing, is it worth for them to uh, develop on Ethereum? Should they be looking at other uh, less expensive uh, expensive. uh, nets, sort of like chains, actually?
1: I think it's, it's worth for them. I mean... Ethereum people develop on ethereum not because uh, I was talking to somebody who works at ethereum and he were, he was one of the co-creators of it and um, he mentioned this that people work on ethereum because it's how easy it is to build on top of it not not because of of how like it's Turing complete or any other reason. it's also worth checking out Solana or other like networks mm-hmm. but and a lot of the other ones. Popular ones are EVM sidechains, but I think you could either go the Rust route or, or work with Ethereum, which is still worth it, and, and it's a little bit more simpler to uh, learn. It's similar to JavaScript, mm-hmm. so I would say, yeah, do it with Solidity.
0: All right, fair, perfect. Yeah. Okay, thank you for this answer. It was uh, really helpful, and like. Uh, uh, if uh, this is like the end, the 50 year old Facebook user question, but uh, uh, if I use if I'm using a DAP uh, and if I have to pay a fee to sign a specific contract, so let's say I have to do an operation, like I have to register a new nickname, I don't know. And it costs the, the that needs me to sign a contract for it, uh, and, it and I need to pay for that contract. Uh, can like uh, the DApp take a percentage of that fee? Are they taking a percentage? Is it the yeah?
1: Price? They do have some. They do have platform fees or protocol fees, like taps like Uniswap or, or other other applications. That is how sort of they sustain is through transaction fees. Oftentimes, there's different ways of monetization in Web3, but yeah, they do take a transaction fee, which is sort of how they make money, and um, it's often in, in, in on the networks. It's if they're deployed on Ethereum, it's ETH or um, and sometimes they have a fiat on-ramp with MoonPay, which, again, then it's US, USD.
0: Sorry. Weird noises from the phone for some weird reason. Okay, fixed. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, All good. Yeah, life happens, you know. Uh, and, like, I'm wondering... Um, You mentioned it like you can do a quick list of it or if you care more you can expand on it But what are some of these like monetization methods on Web3 in general?
1: Yeah, I think the the most common one is transaction fees where they take a small percentage like two or three percent or 2.5 percent of of the fees that are sort of accrued or or there's like other ways where um, they do it via their own platform token which if you've seen variable is doing or even they they give out uh, rewards with these tokens for for using the platform um so i think platform fees are is the most like common one there's there's more intricate ways on how these platform fees are calculated like if you look at uh, a project like rari capital they they have uh, withdraw fees uh when the yield is accrued and you withdraw your funds so there's different ways of doing that coinbase has it even even in a similar way Um, but depending on the project you're using transaction fees seems to be very um, very straightforward way of monetizing there's other ways you know with axie infinity there's sort of you have to buy an nft or a ticket Mm -hmm. which is uh, which comes from under this idea of play to earn almost like points in a game where if you're playing a game how do you buy items you can either earn those points and unlock these items, or you can straight up buy it. So, if you think of it in that in those terms, and assume that every transaction, um, how does that monetization look like? So, uh, either tickets with NFT or membership. Uh, it could be you know platform tokens or community tokens, or it could be transaction fees. Um, yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. No. No. I mean. It's, it's much better to hear this stuff than to hear uh, advertisement, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we wrote a really good article on it. Let me just share that with
0: you. Yeah, go for it. Share everything. I'm going to share everything back to people. <laughs> I, I love this stuff. I love discussing this because it's such a... It's one of these topics where uh, learning it is actually exciting because uh, it's, it's mm-hmm. not just a, a, a change... You know, it's not just a, remod- a new modulation or, like, a new way of sentencing something which was old, which is, like, mm-hmm. 99% of mathematical papers. It's just a, an old formula uh, with a new name on it. And, like, oh, yeah, this, this thing has a minus, not a plus. Uh, yeah. And so hearing something fresh from specifically the computer science world, you know, it's really wonderful. All right. Got the link.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean... A lot of it is very similar to, like, if you look at city building. So imagine this. Let's let's do a thought process, right? It's very similar to, like, building a city. Let's say you um, buy a town or you buy a piece of land. Let's say you buy it in Canada or, or someplace where you can buy a land for relatively not that much, somewhere in Europe, depending on where you are. Um, your job is to turn that sort of huge piece of land into um into at least a functioning economy where people can survive right that that's the baseline goal i mean you, you're obviously the goal is to you know um uh, sort of thrive but there's three groups of people that you can onboard right uh, group one are are people that are you know sort of um farmers or manufacturers or coal miners uh, uh, any any kind of uh, people that sort of produce um, goods or services are are group one people. Group two people are are service industry people like doctors or lawyers or uh, waiters or chefs or whatever. And, and group three people are engineers and scientists, which are which are people that sort of give twenty percent better yield or just create solutions that are much more efficient and make make uh, scarcity uh, tangible and uh build technology that sort of brings it forward if you had to build a town uh, out of that piece of land what what sort of ratio of, of these people you would choose to onboard so obviously you want group one because those are the people that bring in the capital and uh to sort of operate the town you sort of need capital to let's say fund the roads fund like the port fund the create an airport so people can travel um so that people can do import and export uh, through the seaport, whatever, whatever it is, your job is to, you know, right. sort of run this town and uh, the core institution that runs it down, uh, monetizes it with taxes. Okay. And what are taxes? They're transaction fees.
0: Okay.
1: Right. Okay. And that sort of runs the town. But if you think about it, if there's one thing that, you know, you, you sort of screw up and if you have just like, um, let's say group three people or just group two people your that, that town will quickly quickly have zero capital because it doesn't have an efficient way to monetize or create any value for people that are internally or even externally it's going to start to be it's going to become a closed down all right right so just similar to how we have taxation and uh, um, you know if you think about platforms as cities that's that's a way of monetization. So I think it's very popular to have transaction fees. All
0: right. Wow, this makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> this makes a lot of sense because uh, one thing which I was worried about uh, was with, like, the high-end transaction fees in general, which is still something which I'm worried about. That, uh, the fact that like uh, transactions fees specifically on Ethereum are getting very, very high sort of got me to think, okay, is this like not being something for everyone anymore? Like, is this only for people who already have capital?
1: Uh, I think it's going to start to look a lot better starting next year with Proof of Stake. I I genuinely think that because uh, the the sort of mindfuck here is that L2s will start to look a lot like L1s and L1s will start to look like an L2. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Just I mean... to make
0: the people who actually did not, un- like, just to make the people who did not understand anything about it hear just not understand more about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I will stay updated with it because it's truly interesting and it's much more. Don't, don't, don't say it to uh, don't the stay. guys who are, like, majoring at my mathematical school, but, like, it's much more interesting than machine learning. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right um I think we can go with like the the last thing then we can like really wrap it up but like thank you already. For oh this. yeah I mean
1: any any questions no no like no limits
0: so you talked about it and uh, I guess that uh, if someone is just gonna randomly click on this and be like hmm, what are you talking about uh it's gonna be excited but like uh, what are nfts why do they exist why do they work What's the reason behind them? Yada, yada, yada.
1: So they're basically just uniquely verifiable information or data or pieces of uh, information on the internet. And like like it says, it's unique and it's verifiable. And we, we do have a lot of information already on the internet that's that's somewhat verifiable. But it, it off opens up new opportunities for people to a like have true ownership that you know they are the rightful owners or creators of of this form of media and and there's there's a lot of like interesting copyrights and and sort of uh, uh, rights around people that are creating these media because it's e- really easy to like screenshot or duplicate it but and, but b it's interesting to see how these what these nfts can unlock which oftentimes they're used as community memberships or even as collectible art, but almost like how we attribute value to paper and call it money, we're gonna attribute value to information and call it NFTs. So okay. uh, that's, that's that's probably a one way to look at it, but yeah, to maybe sum it up in very simple words.
0: And uh, what are like some possibilities? Let's go like beyond art. Let's not stop at just art. Because you mentioned them, I think that you have some ideas about it.
1: I think, yeah. I mean, any form of information or media, like you know, back in the back in the day, you could you could own um, or you could subscribe to. Even today, you could subscribe to newsletters like Substack, mm-hmm. and and you would subscribe to an entire newsletter. Now with Mirror, you can you can circuit purchase NFTs as as just blog articles, and tomorrow you're going to be able to purchase words and letters, like what they, they, they did with uh, I guess uh, I guess it's not not a more accurate example, but any form of scarcity that it creates, you know, it's a way of like signaling status and wealth. in 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 the real world, physical assets, like buying an expensive house or uh, a car are way to signal status and wealth, but if we are increasingly living in like a digital world, how do you signal status and wealth in 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 like uh, on the internet? And NFTs, given that they can be used as a scarce resource, and and you can artificially create scarcity around it, they're used currently as a way to signal status and wealth. But but the true unlock of these NFTs is is probably. Um, using that information and, and sort of redistributing value of that. So let's say there is an NFT, a good example of it. Recently what happened was uh, an artist launched an album and they fractionalized the NFT and owners of that NFT could get uh, royalties out of it uh, or, or collectively, I guess, have owned like the Constitution of America as, as an NFT yes. or or a piece of research that if I wrote the Bitcoin white paper in, in like let's say 2008, any sort of reuse of that paper will attribute or economically transfer value to me is uh, again a great use case. So any form of value alignment that it creates with, with people that sort of use that uh, information beyond art is, is quite useful. So I think utilities of NFTs are like, we've seen crowdfunds, we've seen medias, uh, we've seen art, we've seen music. We've also seen like, uh, community memberships we've seen it used as a passport uh to like virtual worlds we've seen it as event tickets so there's really primitive use cases around but the true floodgates will open when almost any form of content that you create becomes uh, financially uh, like uh attainable and and that i think is is quite interesting
0: do you think that's such a concept where uh... Uh, economic value and like economic costs matter a lot. Can survive yeah. in a, can survive like over free and non-paid or like paid with something else. It's content, for example.
1: I think the whole point of it is actually to continue to keep it open source and free and paid. It's the whole. It's not about getting access. It's about increasing access. So it could be used as rewarding people with NFTs who sort of utilize it. Like the best form of use cases are built around public utilities. (laughs) Right. Right. Okay. Like using, using like sales of NFTs into public goods funding is a very novel that I find very interesting. Okay. Yeah. Right. You've also seen like Climadao or other like DAOs that are working on high impact, um, initiatives, um, Right, right. Uh, they're sort of using the funds allocated for public goods, which is interesting.
0: Okay. I think that uh, we can wrap it up for now. Uh, in university, we never, awesome. more, we never do more than forty-five minutes of lessons, so I will not do more than forty-five minutes. Ultimately. Oh yeah. Our discussion. Our discussion about this. Uh, wonderful to hear about. Awesome. Like, it's such a weird thing to discuss so, uh, about. The thing which is, it, it's like physics. The fact that it's real make it, makes it so much better, you know? Like, physics is already Yeah. Things. And then you think, uh, oh, but wait, my space-time is actually curving around gravity, around objects with mass. Like, my time is actually yeah. orienting in a new direction because of mass. And um, like you say, Uh, Like, this is happening right now. And that's the thing I'm feeling with crypto. It's like uh, it's really happening right now. And like, the concept behind it is great. And the possibilities of it to me are great. And I think that, like, to whoever says that uh, they are not that great, I don't think that it's really going to matter whether they are great now or not. Because, like, most of the very good developers I know, are working on it you're one of them and uh, uh, there were and so like where else can the word go if all the people who are building stuff are building on that and so yeah um, if uh, all the young like if a lot of young people if a lot of uh, young developers if a lot of uh, sort of like also experienced developers but are caring about such a thing and it's getting this widespread. Like it doesn't really matter whether it's a trend now or not. I honestly believe that the fact that there are so many people working on it uh, is gonna make it like work, and it's gonna make it a useful thing. That no matter where, no matter if there is hype now or there is not hype now or whatever it is, like I just think that people building on it and increasingly like interest increasing in it due to building, not due to uh, the prices. Are going to make it something for the new world. And like, as you were saying, um, validating, uh, uh, I don't know, like val- validating education, you know, you have right now you have degrees, but like your degree is a piece of paper. And if you don't ask university, it's false, basically. Um, your identity is uh, also sort of a piece of paper until you go to your country. Okay, now we have some sort yeah. of, yeah, yeah. like in Europe, we have some databases which. Uh, have like a general database of all the IDs, and like you can do, you can check if something is, is true. But again, very centralized, can stop working at any time. And the fact of the blockchain is that, like, even if it stops working, like, even if everyone stops caring about it, it's still gonna be there. Like, you can't really remove it completely anymore, right? And so, yeah. And, and, yeah,
1: I think, I mean, there's just so many use cases around identity, and there's open like, um Ethereum improvement proposals on GitHub that you can browse through. It's just a, a full list of like, interesting world of like, where Ethereum is going in. Yeah.
0: All right. Thanks a lot for your time. And uh, if, we, if we can Thank take you. another time, I would love to discuss a bit about like, uh, other blockchains. Uh, Because, like, there are, I think that there are some very interesting concepts, just the concept of them, not really going into technicals. But, like, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, I do not know if you heard about uh, IOTA, for example. Uh, IOTA,
1: yeah. It's in the very beginning, yeah.
0: It's a very weird concept as well. They're like, um, instead of using a blockchain, they use uh, what's called a tangle. So, they have instead of like, extended proof of work, everyone, everyone does its own proof of work and validates the right. transaction. And uh, uh, the idea is that, like, you're not distributing uh, the whole entire blockchain to everybody every single time. Uh, you're just creating a network between people, like, every time a transaction is validated, a specific amount of transactions behind it are covered with it. I'm uh, very, like, another very complicated thing. Uh, but it's super cool to just see so many ideas going into this. Like you, we begin with, uh, I think that we begin with the Web3 just being uh, people thinking about Ethereum. And then the concept of it can go in so many different directions. Like it's not just limited to what you can build with Ethereum, which is already a lot. But it's uh, the, just the whole mindset behind it, which can be phenomenal. Yeah. Right. Thanks a lot, Janil. Uh, Anytime. Let me, let me close this up. I hope that it I hope that it will help as much people as possible, and I hope it will get someone interested into it. Uh, let me end it. If you if anyone has a question, because you see that some people are following us on YouTube, that's wonderful. If anyone has a question, just shoot me at oh, email. Yeah. You can come on Discord. There is a link below. You can just send me a message, and I'll, I'll spam Janil's messages and get
1: your question. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Let me add this thing.